We are in week two of a series that I guess I would call rock solid or storm ready. Uh, We're talking about how to build the kind of life as Christ followers that prepares us to endure what we might call bad weather or bad times. And we're basing this on a reading from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27, which reads as follows. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, And it fell with a great crash. Let's pray. Lord, now we pray that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be found acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now, if you were here last week, um, you might remember that I talked about the necessity of godly wisdom. You know, wisdom as being an everyday thing. Wisdom means that you do first and you do best that which matters most every day of your life. And, of course, that would be leading a God-pleasing life, following Christ as your Savior, and kind of attuning your life to his precepts in his holy word. Now, today, we're going to talk about storm warning. It's kind of a, a lesson in the meteorology of life. I mean, there are things you need to know about the storms that you're going to face before, during, and after. And there are three different things I want us to look at today. And the first of these is this, that the storms of life are inevitable for everyone. I want you to take take your right hand, kind of like that for a moment, and take your left hand and do this. Do you have a pulse? Yeah, if you've got a pulse, guess what? You're on the list to face storms at some time in your life. And I'd venture to say that some of you have already been through some things in life that you call a storm. Uh, Maybe you faced more than one. Maybe you faced two or three or four. I don't know. But guess what? There are still more to come. Now, here's something we sometimes don't think about as God's children. In spite of all that uh, he had done right, In the story I just read to you, the wise man went through the same storm that the foolish man went through. That's because there's absolutely no avoiding it. Everybody goes through tough times or storms in their life. Now, Jesus said earlier, if we had gone back uh, a little bit back in this in Matthew in chapter five, uh, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that the rain falls on who? The just and the unjust. I've never walked down the street and seen it rain only on good people. It generally rains on everybody. It makes no difference who you are. I mean, good, bad, young, old, rich, poor, handsome or not, talented or not, intelligent or not, even wise or not, you will go through some form of a storm. Now, the question is, what do I mean by storm? Well, I mean things like health problems. Financial problems, relationship problems, job problems, betrayals, disappointments. Those are the kind of storms 
that everybody follows in their life, as in their life, whether you are a Christ follower or not. Now, my grandpa used to say, it's an awful dumb horse that doesn't learn from a beaten. I think it took me until I was about 16 or 17 that he was talking about me. And all this means is that it took me a long time in my life to figure out certain things. For, what, for one of them, it took me a long time to figure out that the storms themselves were not punishment or an indication that God had somehow abandoned me. The problem, however, is that sometimes that's exactly what we and other people think. I mean, every time, for example, every time that we as a nation uh, go through a big storm, whether it's literal or figurative, there's always that guy who comes along and says, this is God's judgment. We brought this on ourselves. Well, guess what? That's not necessarily the case. I wouldn't jump to those conclusions too quickly because the fact is sometimes, in fact, oftentimes, storms are just a part of life. In the same way, whenever you've gone through your personal storm, you think about, I mean, you think right now, a personal storm you've gone through in your life, there will always be those voices that surround you that are eager to say to you, and sometimes you, you actually hear your own voice saying these things, that this storm or this difficulty that you're going through right now is proof that God has turned his back on you. You know, if he really loved you, that voice says. Uh, if you were really right with him, that little voice says. Or if God were really on your side, that voice or your neighbor or your friend, so-called friend, says, then this wouldn't be happening to you. Or uh, this storm is evidence uh, that you need to know that God is not finished with you. Uh, you know, he's just out to get you. Well, of course, I think all of us know, intellectually at least, that God is not out to get us. You know, somehow thinking that God sits up in heaven with lightning bolts in each hand, and he's just waiting for you to do something so he can just fling one down and smoke you where you stand. Now, at least we say intellectually we don't believe that, but when the storms of life are raging all around us, a lot of people feel this way, regardless of what they say they know. See, going through a storm, though, does not mean that God has abandoned you, given up on you, or whatever. Going through the storm is just part of the process of what we would call life for each and every one of us. That's why Peter said uh, in his first letter, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. I had a short uh, Facebook message the other day from a former one of my students who said, you know, we're going through some terribly difficult times right now. I just don't know what to do anymore. Something like this has never happened to me or to anybody I know. Well, I have all kinds of interesting replies I like to put down. It's like, first of all, you don't know enough people, uh, but that's not very pastoral. Uh, you know, the problem you're going through, uh, guess what? I've heard a problem like that before, but I don't want to really want to say that either. But I did send this passage because it was fresh in my mind. You know, don't be surprised at what you're going through right now. As though something strange. This is not something new. We all go through these times. It's part of life. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. To spell it out, there's another way of putting it. At one time or another, you're all going to get wet. 
at some time or another, you're all going to get rained on. At some time or another, the lightning is going to strike pretty close to your house. It just means that there are times when you're going to need to cancel picnics and reschedule uh, softball games. But more dramatically, it means that at one time or another in our lives, we're going to find ourselves in the midst of something going on in our life, whatever you want to call it, in the center of a situation that just seems like it's spinning totally out of control. Now, we are all destined to endure that. Storms that are strong enough to bring down the, the average house, this doesn't mean that God has turned away from us. It just simply means that you're walking the same trail and you sail in the same waters as everybody else in this world. Now, if you think I'm kind of belaboring this first point a little bit, I am. I'm going to tell you why. It's because over the years I've encountered so many different people who simply cannot get past the storm because of what they think that storm means. See, somewhere along the line, a lot of people, and there may be some of you here this morning, uh, who kind of picked up the idea, maybe from a church, maybe from some pastor you heard or some Bible teacher, but certainly not from the Bible, but you picked up the idea that the Christian life is somehow to be a never-ending week of church camp, one big kumbaya after another. You know, trust in the Lord and, oh, we'll all be happy, clappy for the rest of our lives. Well, if that's your expectation, friends, then no wonder the storms of life throw you for a loop. I mean, no wonder they're so devastating. No wonder you sometimes feel abandoned. But if you have that kind of idea that following Jesus means everything is going to be sunshine and roses, I'm here to tell you that that's not how it is. It's not because Jesus doesn't love you. It's not because God up in his heavens has somehow abandoned you. It's just because you and I live in a fallen world. From the time of Adam and Eve, when there was sin, sin has brought into this world storm after storm after storm. The other thing that God has given us is free will to choose right or wrong. And sometimes... We endure the rain, and sometimes we suffer the pain because of foolish choices we've made. It's just part of life. Now, if that sounds a little bit depressing, uh, it shouldn't be. Because all of life certainly isn't always a storm. Uh, There's no question that God promises, what, an abundant life. I've come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. He promises blessings. He promises victory. He promises joy. And I think if we'd ever stop and seriously take a look at our own lives, we've probably experienced far more of our fair share of all those good things than some of the bad things. And I can say absolutely, with absolute conviction, that following Jesus is worth it in every way imaginable. In the sun, in the rain, in the mountains, in the valleys, in the desert, in the wilderness, following Jesus is always worth it. But you need to remember something. He, when, when God promises victory, that means something. It means there are going to be battles. You don't have victory without battles. You are not going to be more than conquerors unless there's something to conquer. There's going to be obstacles to conquer. There are going to be face downs with the enemy. So when the rains come, the winds blow, and we're tempted to think that God is nowhere to be found, we need to remember that whatever's going on, this is not punishment. It's just part of life. So what I'm saying 
in general is don't give your difficulties a meaning that they don't deserve. The storms of life are inevitable for everyone. Here's the second thing. The storms of life are inevitable, but they are not invincible. In other words, the problems that you, you and I experience as believers, they may be strong, but they're not that strong. They may be powerful, but they're not all-powerful. A storm can knock you down, but it doesn't need to knock you out. You can survive any storm that comes your way as long as you are what? Rock solid. As a matter of fact, you come through any storm that you face stronger than ever before. Now, if you've built your life on a rock, now remember, are we singing Rock of Ages to close it? I can't remember what, what the final. What a friend we have in Jesus. I don't remember what it is. What's the closing hymn to Is it Rock of Ages? Oh, good. I must have been thinking when I wrote that message. But when you build your, your life on that rock, that rock of ages, Jesus, you face storms differently than most people do, and you experience storms um, better than most people do. See, because when your life is built on that rock of Jesus Christ, the storm doesn't have to have that same destructive power it might have otherwise. Now, what do I mean when I say if you built your life? On the rock. Well, I'm going to take you back to verse 24 of our text today. He said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine. Now, whose words are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Now, I'm prone to say, what part of obedience do you not get? I mean, what part of God's word when he says do this or do that do you not understand? It's all fairly clear. Now, if you have, led by the Holy Spirit, accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you now live your life putting into practice the teachings of Jesus and the Scriptures, then when the storms of life come rolling through, they won't be able to do nearly as much damage as if you were standing simply on sand. I mean, for example, if you spent your life putting into practice, let's say, financial principles of Scripture, then you probably, when financial storms come along, it might sting a little bit, but it won't wipe you out. If you've spent your life uh, putting into practice the scriptural principles about uh, marriage or family relationships or your work ethics or the way you take care of yourself, then when the storms come, it might be a little bit uncomfortable for a while, but it won't be bring destruction because your life is built on what? The solid foundation of Jesus Christ and on the solid foundation of biblical teaching. Now, I've seen this happen over and over. I've been in the ministry long enough. In fact, I think I'm I'm getting pretty close to total ministry years of 50. Um, But I've seen a lot of spiritually mature believers who have faced some of the I'd say some of the most horrendous storms imaginable, from being bankrupt to health crisis to the death of loved ones to personal betrayal and on and on and on. And yes, every last one of those was very painful, but through it all, their house stood strong. I mean, I have gone to visit people who have just suffered a terrible loss with somebody dying. I, I think of a, a family that a, a young boy named Matthew died. I think he's maybe three or four years old. 
And I'm going there to comfort them. And what are they doing? They're comforting me. And it's like, this is all right. We had Matthew for this period of time. God gave him to us for this period of time. God has blessed us more than we could ever ask for. We're okay. Now, did they cry? Yes. Did they mourn the loss of that little guy? Yes. But they still stood rock solid because Jesus Christ was their rock and they were willing to follow what Jesus said to them through the Holy Scriptures. That's what happens to people. But there are some people, I know if I were preaching to a whole flock of people, but I could also say here with you, there may be some of you who say, well, that's the problem. I did not build my life on the teachings of Jesus Christ. My life is built on sand and nothing but sand. So now I'm facing a storm and things are starting to collapse. It's probably a little bit too late for me. Well, again, anytime you ever say it's probably too late, remember this. Remember a pastor who said to you, no, it's not. Get over it. Build a bridge and get over it. Suck it up, Petunia, and move on. It's never over. I think Yogi Berra said it's never over until it's over. It's just plain simple. It's never too late. If your life has been built on sand, if you've made too many dumb decisions over the years, and you, and you, and you actually decide you're going to take seriously the teaching of Jesus, then the unpleasant truth is that, yes, the storms of life will come, and yes, they will cause some damage, sometimes serious damage. If you've been reckless with your finances, if you've been reckless with your health, with your relationships, your spiritual life, or any other area, that is going to bring, make you susceptible to storm, and sometimes you may suffer loss, but it's never too late to change. Regardless of what you've lost, regardless of the damage that's been done, there exists through Jesus Christ the promise of restoration. That's the third part of this. The storms of life are inevitable, but they're not invisible, invincible, and neither do they have to be permanent. See, when that foolish man's house came crashing down, that was the end of the parable. But was that the end of the story for him? No, not really. Not if we, if we actually read the rest of what Jesus taught in the Gospels. Not if we believe the rest of what Scripture says about overcoming a setback. Now, if you want a great example of this, uh, of someone who built his life on sand... We don't need to look any further than that story of the prodigal son. You remember that story? This young boy who comes up for some reason and demands his share of the inheritance. Now, the interesting thing is, when do you get an inheritance? You get an inheritance when somebody dies. And so literally he was telling his father, drop dead. And when he got that money, he got as far away from daddy and the rest of that town as he possibly could. When he got there, he squandered all of that money on wild living. Now, his brother later accuses him of a little bit more, wasting on prostitutes and all kinds of stuff. He well may have. But when his life came crashing down, where did he find himself? On his hands and knees between Porky and Petunia Pig at a hog trough, huh? That was the end of the story. No. The Bible says that when he came to his senses, I like that, when he came to his senses, he said, I will go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. 
I remember preaching on this a long time ago, and I think the title of my sermon was, How Low Must You Go? Well, guess what? Some of us go pretty low before we suddenly realize the best place is to be back home with our daddy. And what does this guy do, this young prodigal? He runs back home, but he can't run all the way home because daddy's standing up there watching for him. You ever wonder why his father ran out to meet him? It's because had he got into that village, that village probably would have killed him for what he'd done to his father. But his father went out, and before he could ever say, I want to do this and this and this, which would have been work righteousness, his father said, no, grace allows you to come back into my family. He opened up his arms, he kissed that kid, he brought him back in, rebuilt his life, restored his life. So, friends, even when you bring the storm on yourself, and how many of us haven't done that already? I don't advise it. Because it's a miserable experience when you cause your own problems. But even when you bring the storm on yourself and, and everything seems to be crashing down around you, you can be restored. Uh, you can, your life can be rebuilt. You can, you can begin anew. I mean, God, that's the business God is in, restoration. And see, that's the, sto- the thing about storms of life, they cause damage. They cause serious damage. But it doesn't need to be permanent. What the storms of life can destroy, our God can rebuild. See, time and time throughout the Old Testament, uh, we see how the country of Israel brought calamity on themselves. God had made a covenant with them. He made a covenant with Abraham. He made a covenant with them at Mount Sinai. He made a covenant with them with King David. But time after time after time, They brought on their own problems by their disobedience. And there were times in history when it wasn't just a house built on sand. It was an entire kingdom. It was an entire nation. And what a price they paid. But every time this happened, what did God do? Well, if you read the book of Jeremiah, you find out this is what God did. What did God say in the midst of all this story? He said, I have loved you with what? An everlasting love. He didn't say, I loved you until you messed up and then you're on your own. Now, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. I will build you up again and you will be rebuilt, O virgin Israel. Now, that last little phrase is kind of interesting. This country had had prostituted itself to other nations And what does God say? I can take a prostitute and make her back into a virgin. Wow, really? That's pretty powerful stuff when you think about it. See, everything we build on sand is temporary, and it falls to the ground eventually. But our God is the God of second chances. There's some people who said in third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth and ninth and tenth. You know, the storm that you face may be destructive, but it does not need to be permanent. Whenever you're ready, you just pick up the pieces and you rebuild your life on that rock. Storm's inevitable. And whether your life is built on sand or a rock, you're going to face storms from time to time. No doubt about it. So don't be confused about what that storm means. I mean, during the storm, you might be tempted, like I said before, to think that even if you're Life is built on a rock that God has abandoned you. He has not. And if you built your life on sandy soil, you may be especially tempted to think that God has abandoned you, that he's through with you, that he's done with you. 
but he's not. Storms are merely a part of life. Rain falls on the just and the unjust. You also need to remember that storms are not all powerful. Not like our God, who is omnipotent, all powerful. God can get you through whatever mess you put yourself in. And whether you lose a, a little or whether you lose a lot, he can get you through it. And if your own bad Dumb decisions have made the storm more destructive than it needed to be. Guess what? It's never the end of the story. I, I can't even begin to tell you how many people I've sat and talked with who just said, Pastor, I think, I think my life is over. And it's really, yeah, well, let me tell you what I did. And then they tell me what they did, and I say, you think that's going to end your life? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, do you believe in a God who... Does miracles? Well, sure I do. And you don't think a God who could raise somebody from the dead couldn't raise a dead marriage? Do you think a God who could cast out demons couldn't cast out your stinking thinking? Do you believe, do you think, do you believe in a God who uh, would give his own son to die for you and all of your mess-ups and hang-ups? Wouldn't, didn't do that for you, too? I mean, what does they say? He was hung up for our hang-ups. I mean, he took care of it all. All you need to do is get up and go back to your father. Go back to your father. See, sur- surviving storms really all comes back to obedience. That's what Jesus said in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Now, if it's been years since you've taken obedience seriously, and today you're kind of bearing the brunt of some bad decisions, you can start the process again anytime you want. You know, there's an old saying uh, that says the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time to plant a tree is now. See, we, we have a tendency after the fact to say, if only, if only. If only. Or why didn't I? Why didn't I? Why didn't I do this or what? You know, we've got to get past all of these if-onlys in our life and start thinking about what now. See, the past can't be undone. I mean, some of us have got a lot of past. We've got a lot of years in the rearview mirror. What we did back then, how we handled storms, how we failed to build on a rock, how we spent too much time in the sand. can't really be undone. It can be forgiven, but it can be redeemed. It can be bought back. It can be cleaned. That's what God does. I mean, that's part of, even though we do it corporately, we confessed our sins this morning. We have said, like even the old hymnal, you know, we are we're poor, miserable sinners. Now, what does that mean? We're a bunch of sandy people. We spend way too much time in the sand. That's what we're saying. We're poor, miserable sinners in what we do. We confess unto you all of our sins and iniquities. We, 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 we confess all those times when we've, we've caused storms, been involved in storms, brought storms into other people's lives. But, you know, we, we confess all of our sins and iniquities, which we've ever offended you, but you, you know, that we justly deserve his temporal and eternal punishment. But what does he do? He forgives us all of our sins. Why? Because that's what God does. That's what God does. 
When we come and we repent of our sins, and I always think about that, it just really means that we change our mind and we change our direction. Stop thinking, stop your stinking thinking and start doing your right thinking. You change your mind. That's what the prodigal son did. He changed his mind. This is terrible. Hands and knees on a hog trough? Are you kidding me? I'm going home. He changed his direction and he went back home. He surrendered his life to the lordship of his father, who really, in in this parable, he surrendered his life to the lordship of Jesus, who cleared away all of the storm's debris, took all of that pig-covered coat that guy probably had on and all that stink and smell from hanging with the pigs. And what does he do? He puts on his robe, he puts on his sandals, he puts on his ring, and he throws him a party. Isn't that what the Bible says, that when somebody comes to faith, they have a party in heaven? Wow. And something new is built. See, the past can't be undone, but it can be redeemed through the power of putting into practice the teachings of Jesus as we draw on the Holy Spirit to lead us. Amen.